0: Welcome to Mill Liberty, the voice of liberty for a new generation. All right, Jim Walsh and Matt Kibbe. Ron Stossel, welcome to Mill Liberty.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be
0: back. Hey, Caleb, I mean this. It's great to be with you. Thank you for the invite. This week, we are going to be going over the myths and realities that surround monopolies. Teddy Roosevelt hated, hated small government gateway into space will
1: help alleviate a lot of this
0: problems. It was a fateful error we took 100 years
1: ago with this kind of monopolization of banking and centralization of money and credit.
0: Automation, streamlined productivity, and cost effectiveness.
1: There's two big government parties, and one of them is, is red and one of them is blue. We
0: are creating a community of liberty lovers. So sit back,
1: relax... And enjoy the ride.
0: Heath! Folks, it's Brian Nichols here from the Brian Nichols Show, hosting Mill Liberty once again for our good friend Caleb Franz as he is out doing wonderful things because he's a wonderful person. And I am your humble host for this week, Brian Nichols from the Brian Nichols Show. And this week, uh, for my my final episode as your guest host, I wanted to actually uh, share an episode not from my podcast, but from a uh, friend's uh, podcast where I made an appearance, and that is uh, my good friend's Fritz's show, Fritzcast. Now, uh, now Fritzcast is absolutely one of my favorite shows to listen to, right behind, uh, or shall I say, right. Even with uh, our good friend here, Caleb Franz's show, My Liberty, um, but it's, it's a fantastic show to get a lot of great commentary in terms of what's happening in our world today from a more libertarian-ish perspective, uh, but also recently, Fritz has been bringing on some great guests, starting off with Todd Hagopian, who's a libertarian-in-chief, who's actually made appearances on both mine and Caleb's show, uh, but more recently, yours truly. So uh, I join Fritz to discuss uh, impeachment, uh, discuss kind of what's happening in our world today when you look at uh, both the, the likes of like a Justin Amash versus a, a Thomas Massey and where their perspectives a little different there uh and then a little bit about me and kind of learn more about the brian nichols show it, it's kind of a little intro into that so if you're a, a long-time listener of liberty you're looking at maybe joining uh the brian nichols show audience as well add that to your your podcast uh, catcher this will be a great intro episode to uh to give you a little bit more perspective as to what we do over the brian nichols show and uh, hopefully it's enough to bring you guys on over as well uh, but in the meantime folks on to the show me, on FritzCast, here on Liberty.
1: My guest, Brian Nichols of the aptly titled Brian Nichols Show. Brian, how are you doing this evening?
0: I'm doing well. I'm, I'm glad you said the aptly titled Brian Nichols Show, because, I, you know, I, for a long time there, I was trying to think of a, a good name for the show. I was like, the Brian Nichols Show, the Brian Nichols Program. And I was like, you know what? We're just going to keep it simple, the Brian Nichols Show, so then people know what they're going to get. And it's a, a Daily Dose of Me, which, who doesn't want a Daily Dose of Me? Uh, well, a lot of people, but still.
1: Hey, I do. I'm subscribed, don't <laughs>
0: Well, thank you, sir. And it, I must say, I, I do return the favor. I, I, I'm an avid listener of the FritzCast. I always look for my podcast uh, catcher to see when the, the latest episode's out and whenever you're behind the eight ball and getting the episode uploaded with your your new arrival that arrived in the FritzCast household. You know, I understand a baby might take some more time and it might be more pressing than, you know, putting a podcast up. But, you know, hey, I'm I'm a dedicated listener. I know I know what I like and when I like it.
1: Hey, I'm surprised that you know that, because most people think that you have a kid and nothing changes. But <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you people, it changes your life. So think about it before you do it. But I have a brother, cat, so... You have a cat?
0: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, my cat, it, it's kind of my kid, but, but not really.
1: Okay, well, I have two of those. Well, I, yeah, no, actually, I have three cats. What, what am I thinking? Um, <laughs> and, I mean, you're right. You have to spend a lot of time and attention to details of cats, you know? Oh, yeah. You just can't leave them alone in a room with a litter box.
0: Oh no, to say the least. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right, so Brian, uh, t- tell tell my audience a little bit. I know you. Me and you, we banter back and forth on Twitter and on Facebook and all that. We're 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 friends in real life, uh, and we're also friends. With, we're Facebook official people, so you know. IRL, you question...
0: as the kids say.
1: Yeah, yeah. IRL. I so uh, never who am I?
0: I mean, and... so basically, as you kind of alluded to, I am the host of the. Aptly named, as you mentioned, Brian Nichols show over on the We Are Libertarians network. Uh, I've been involved in politics pretty much my entire, uh, not only adult life but also pretty much my entire childhood. Growing up, I was, you know, in a political household. Dad ran for county uh, office and held elected uh, elected office for 15 years, and now he's a, a elections commissioner for my home county. Um, you know, I've worked on dozens of campaigns, ranging from local elections to state elections to national elections. In um, again from all different types of, uh, of you know of candidates be it uh you know u.s congress uh state senate county clerk all that in between um I, I got more involved in in liberty politics starting more in 2015 um obviously with the ascension of one donald john trump leading the the pack over the gop and as a, a former republican um you know, neoconservative i looked at someone like donald trump and at the time i was more leaning towards libertarian um and i was actually identifying as a libertarian republican um I was definitely in the camp of Rand Paul, um, and seeing someone like Donald Trump start to take the mantle, I said, you know, I, I want to get involved in this liberty thing, and actually start to make a difference and reach out to different people and kind of show them the merits of this this libertarian idea that I was able to stumble upon. And, and, and I, I look back to where I came from, and I say, thank God that I, I stumbled upon to. Um, you know these ideas and concepts of liberty. So with that, I started uh, writing for the Libertarian Republic, which is Austin Peterson's website. Um, back in 2016, uh, I was uh, you know doing that for quite a while. Got uh, bumped up to associate editor, and uh, you know that that was an awesome opportunity. And I was actually given the reins to have my own show, which I uh, aptly named the Around the Republic podcast, um, to to symbolize the uh, the name of the uh, uh, Libertarian Republic website. So uh, I did that for a while, and it was more of a, a weekly recap of the the happenings in in the week. And I would have a, a writer on every now and then, or an editor on the the show to kind of uh, help give their commentary or, or cover some pieces they wrote. And uh, you know, after a while, I said, you know, I want to have some some interesting folks on my show. And I ended up reaching out to uh, actually one of our mutual friends, uh, John Ziegler. Uh, so John Ziegler from Media, I had him on the show. Uh, Cliff Maloney Jr. Uh, the the I don't know if he still is on Twitter, but his uh, Twitter name was uh, Super Mexican from I think it was Townhall.com. So I had a few guests that came on the show, and it was, it was a great experience because I realized that I was able to to kind of get into a medium that I was comfortable with this this interview type of of style, uh, you know, asking questions, getting some interesting answers. So uh, it, just by happenstance, I started to listen more to the uh, the We Are Libertarians podcast with Chris Spangle. And as I started to listen more and more and I actually got involved into their Facebook group, um, you know, I, I was interacting with Chris on the sign and he said, you know, we're always looking for guests on the show. Would you be interested in coming on as a guest? And uh, I said, sure. You know, I, I went on the show as a a member of the, the Libertarian Republic, and I was uh, I forget the the first episode I did, but um, you know, after a, a couple a couple of shows I appeared on, Chris said, you know, Brian, we're we're looking at changing the show, and we're going a little bit different direction um, going into 2018, and I wanted to give more opportunity to you know some of the the listeners, but also some of the the folks who are more involved in the you know the, the more what the more regimented we are libertarians hierarchy of, of control and power structure, if you will. Um, which, you know, it, we all know that the answer that Chris is the dear leader. Um, so he, he said, would you be interested in, in having your own show? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where, as we discussed uh, all there beforehand, that's where the Brian Nichols show came from. Um, and, uh, you know, with that, it's been a great adventure for the past, you know, two plus years now I've had amazing guests on ranging from Justin Amash to Thomas Massey, J- uh, Jeffrey Tucker, Adam Kokesh, um, Larry Sharp, and all those in between. I mean, you and I both have had a mutual guest on the show, being uh, that in one Todd Hagopian, the libertarian in chief over on Twitter. And uh, you know, it's been a wild ride. And part of the reason I love to do what I do is I get to ask, um, you know, I, I get to ask people who are a lot smarter than me questions that I know I'm curious about to, the answers to, but also I know my audience is curious about. So uh, you know it, it's a, it's a great experience. i I've, I've been having a blast doing it. And uh, you know I'm, I'm really excited to see you know where where we head here in 2020, the election year. So people are you know they're they're furiously looking to get as much information as they can on the Republican and Democrat candidates. And sure you know sure enough, we're we're going to have a Libertarian candidate soon, and, and people are going to start looking to hear some answers in terms of what they're presenting so i think it's gonna be a great opportunity for myself for for you for uh, the we are libertarians network and all the other great libertarian podcasts out there to, to number one reach a lot of awesome new people and uh, show them the the value and the merits of libertarianism and just the ideas of liberty um but also to uh, to help grow our audiences you know and that's now that, it kind of goes hand in hand reaching out more people and at the same point in time being able to change more hearts and minds
1: in in starting your program that did, did... Your interest in and in upbringing in politics did that help fuel your desire to to do this broadcasting thing? It's it's podcasting oh. for us, but this is this is what us millennials do. We don't listen to the radio; <laughs> we listen to podcasts.
0: Well, you know what's funny is that back when I was in college, I was actually a DJ for a, a top forty radio station on on campus, and that was always my preferred medium. I mean, I I've been a singer songwriter. I loved. I just love the ability to speak and talk and sing and act and that was always a medium that I felt most comfortable with. So transitioning from you know being a, a top 40 radio DJ to then taking my passion and that was politics and being able to merge the two worlds together, that I think was the the you know moment I was like all right, podcast, that is it. That is 1000% the way to go because I mean there's there's so many nuances that you cannot articulate in, in just like the written word, it, the spoken word, the the emotion, the the ability to increase your volume levels, to decrease your volume levels, to insert you know you know punctuation and and to really you know emphasize on certain words, that's something that is so unique to the the, the medium that, that is audio, right? So for me, it just it meshed those two worlds perfectly. And I think I've been able to better express what I believe. Beyond the confines of, you know, uh, writing an article or a Facebook post or or what have you, now you can actually talk to people. You can you can kind of walk through issues. You can find areas of agreement but also disagreement and then really kind of dissect why do we have these disagreements? Is it that we disagree at the end conclusion or do we disagree in how we get there? And, and that's something that is missing, I feel – from you know the 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 traditional you know writing articles or blog posts or something like that. That's why I'm I love what I do and I'm so glad that you know we live in an era where this technology that's around us not only makes that possible, but it encourages more people like myself, like you, to get out there and and use a medium like this to reach more people and, and actually, like I said, change people's hearts and minds and and influence them and and kind of articulate why we believe what we believe. Better than you know people who maybe do the the you know the blogs or the the articles, but also it helps dispel the the straw man arguments that are presented and, and the straw man positions that are presented by you know those in the corporate media who try to make us look like a bunch of you know Looney Tunes. We can dispel that. We can say no. You want to what? Don't listen to what you know name CNN anchor X says. Go and listen to my actual show. Listen to a 40-minute podcast of me talking with someone and breaking down these issues one by one. Don't don't take the 30-second soundbite. Actually listen to what we're saying, and we're getting to a point where the media really can't lie anymore. They can't pretend that we're not saying what we're saying, and they can't pretend – that we're, we're saying what we're not saying. And that's something that I think is really beneficial for us because now we're, we kind of turn the tables. Now we're holding the media accountable versus the media holding others accountable, and that's why they hate us so much. That's why there's a push to, to get regulation in place to, to stifle voices like ours because they know that they're coming to a point that their monopoly on, on really the press, the, the ability to disseminate information, is being threatened. Um, and, you know, I was actually on uh, my good friend Kimberly Ross's show back in the day on the right side with Andrea and uh, and Kimberly. And, um, you know, we were discussing how anybody can be a journalist. Now, you can have a smartphone and be in the middle of nowhere, and you can technically be a journalist because you can go to any any anything that's happening in your area and be boots in the ground, you know, either recording on your phone, audio recording, whatever it may be. And now you're able to show – the world what's happening in your little isolated area and you have essentially taken on the role as a journalist and that's so cool and that's so empowering because now the the average person's being listened to because there's there's no way to really science this now if you have a smartphone and you're recording what's happening it, it can't be you know it can't be just completely tossed to the side of like ah oh, that's just here it's like no it, it look it, it's happening and we have not only visual evidence that it happened but we have you know people all around who are able to to you know whether it's you know one isolated incident where you had many people with different video cameras on now you have what 10 15 journalists air quotes that can document the same situation so we we we're, we're giving more power to the people it's exciting it's a great time to be involved in what we're doing and i i can't wait to see where the future brings us
1: i want to echo a couple of things that you said there because we are Essentially, independent media people of our own kind—we're yeah. we're, we're the average Joe's kind of talking about the issues. I think I think it's kind of dying out. This whole what's the talking head on TV say because nobody really relates to that talking head on TV anymore. They they I mean, relate more to that person that they find, you know, who, who runs their own podcast, who's on Twitter, and and more importantly, to your to your point, um, how you said the media will take. A narrative and run with it and try to lie about it. Uh, we, we've seen that. I actually just posted today on my Twitter uh, my episode from last year uh, over the Covington Catholic thing, which was so mishandled by the mainstream media.
0: Mm-hmm. A-
1: and we relied on people who were there, who were on the ground, and and we strung together all these different video clips of things happening before, you know, we, the, the media painted us one narrative and and all the people on the ground that actually documented this stuff painted a whole different picture of what happened.
0: Yep. Uh, and and then the question that should get asked that is not asked, and I understand why, is what would have happened if if we weren't in 2019 at the time with, with the Covington kids story? You know what would have happened? Those kids' lives, they would have been ruined. The 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 families, they would have been shamed. The school would have been you know admonished. The administrators would have been admon- admonished. And and the I forget the gentleman's name, the Native American fellow, he would have been raised up as a hero. Or is it Nathan Phillips, I believe? Um, like they he would have been raised up as a hero. But because we are in an, an era where smartphones exist and where you know anybody like we were talking about can be a journalist and actually record what's happening. Thank God we were able to, to get the truth out there. And not only was the truth uh, you know, not what happened in the first place uh as it was per, per perceived by the the media but it was the exact opposite it wasn't the kids that were inciting you know this this uh, act of aggression towards a group of native americans it was the exact opposite it was a group of native americans you know coming into a group of kids and chanting in their faces and and to to see that if if this technology did not exist and if we weren't where we are in 2019 that this would have been completely mishandled and those kids would have been written down in the history books as you know the the aggressors I, it, it's horrifying to think, you know, what else in history that we've been told as through the lens of the media as the quote unquote truth? You know, what else is out there that that has been told as the truth? That's that's complete fabrication. That's not only complete fabrication, but maybe the exact opposite has happened in the past. Um, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, the conspiracy theory folks out there with the tinfoil hats on there, they're instantly saying, well, I have I have a lot of stories to tell you. And, and <clears throat> sadly, they're probably right in many instances.
1: I like what you said about that, Brian, because the culture today seems such – seems such like, – like everybody wants to tear everybody down. And I want everybody – I want my listeners to know if you haven't listened in on The Brian Nichols Show, if you haven't followed him on Twitter or social media, Brian has had people of different opinions on his show. He's had uh, – one of your mm-hmm. best episodes, I believe, is uh, you did two Interviews, I, I believe, with him, uh, uh, an avowed democratic socialist.
0: <laughs> yes, my good buddy Keith Rubino, whom I'm actually – I'm getting ready to have on the show again. Um, dude, well, let's be real, right? Is that in in, in our our political discourse in, in now 2020, it's impossible, it seems, to have a conversation with somebody on the opposite side of the aisle because it seems like each side is labeled the opposite side as the enemy. As are not just like political. Political foes, but like truly bad people. I I believe literally
1: Hitler is what literally,
0: literally Hitler. Like Trump is literally Hitler. He is mega Hitler. Um, and and it's one of those things where I said, you know, I I'm making a conscious effort on my show to to kind of dispel that as as you know something that's being being held up to as the truth. Because if if we're not able to just have a a simple conversation with people that we disagree with, how how do we think we're going to be able to live together in a country now? There's a lot of folks in, in the libertarian side of things who say, well, we shouldn't. We should, you know, completely, you know, we start to to reel things back in. You know, we should we should encourage states to secede if they want to uh, you know go to their own um you know their own types of societies based on their their people and their area, the demographics, the 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 you know, poverty levels, whatever it may be. And there there's some merit into that argument, but that's not where we are. We're we're not in that that world right now. Where we are is a world where all 50 states are a part of this collective United States of America. And the reality is, is that right now in 2020, we have to live with each other. And I think that to completely shut down other forms of conversation with the others, if you will, um, is going to do nothing but encourage us to you know start to get further and further apart. And God, I don't want to see what would happen, you know, at the the end in conclusion of that kind of you know progression. But I certainly hope that we can do something to to at least maybe slow it down, and if possible, turn it back a little bit. So, you know, we could be like the uh, the folks in in the the 70s and 80s, where the you know I forget who it was uh, Ronald Reagan and uh who was the uh, speaker of the house. I forget his name, but he was a Democratic um, speaker of the house, and it's going to drive me crazy right now because I can't think of his name. But it was <laughs> well known that Ronald Reagan and the speaker, despite being on the opposite sides of the aisle, would go out to dinner all all the time. Now in twenty twenty, i I don't think it's it's you know too out there to say that I could not really imagine Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi willingly going to have, you know, a brunch together. just It doesn't seem like something that neither of them would like to do. Um, but at the very least, my conversation with my friend Keith, who is a south self-avowed democratic socialist, um you know, I was able to to kind of ask him genuine questions that aren't able to be asked in the the form of like a Twitter or a Facebook, right? because as soon as you see you know <laughs> as soon as you see on you know whether you're conservative, libertarian, progressive, as soon as you see the other side and you see somebody starts to write a comment instantly defense mechanisms are up you're you're ready to go to war you everything you're you're looking for in their their comment you're trying to dis- dissect and take apart and I said I don't want to do that. I want to actually talk to Keith, ask him questions and get him to kind of outline not only what he believes, but why does he believe it? Because I think the the why part is the most important part that libertarians – and I honestly, folks from any political persuasion forget to, to examine – is why people believe what they believe. And I think what we're going to find is is that people from the left, the right, the center – all across the board, have a general kind of uh, common belief in terms of what we want to see as an end conclusion. We don't want to see a world where people are, are starving in the streets, homeless. We don't want to see a world where you know pollution completely ravages our world to be uninhabitable. We we don't want to see a world where government corruption is only benefiting you know certain class of people. But our solutions to like to, to fixing what's wrong are completely different. And I would dare say that you know people more on the left, their arguments are more in favor of trying to fix things by implementing policies that got us to where we are today, and and I think when we're able to get people to start to explain why they believe what they believe, we're able to start to break down a little bit those those misconceptions that they hold true. Um. So you know one of the the things I kind of pushed Keith on was, well, listen, you're talking about getting the right people in office because. When you're looking at a democratic form of government, it's it's majority rule. So we just need to get the right people in office. But the same people who are voting have voted to get the wrong people in office. And how does it stand to reason that now just because you're saying we're going to vote for the right people, that the right people will get into office and will always be the quote-unquote right people? And it's, it's something that he really couldn't grasp. Or not necessarily a grasp, but maybe not grapple with, and it was something that you know I I I wanted to ask him because I genuinely wanted to see what his answer would be, and I at the very least Fritz, and and this this might be my you know I'm hoping that I was talking to more people than just the libertarians out there, but I'm I was just hoping that the folks who listened to the show, you know whether they were you know just Democrats or Democratic socialists or or shit even real socialists that they listened to the show and they at least heard a different perspective on things. And it kind of would take away this misconception or just the caricature that's been framed as you know who these libertarians are, or just liberty favor you know fa- favored folks out there, you know people who want to see a government reign back in some. We're not anti-poor people. We're not pro big government, or I'm sorry,'re pro- big business. um we're we're not well we're not pro- big government either. Let's just you know make sure we're all on the same page there. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to actually make it so they can see what we actually believe and where we disagree. And then we can have a, you know, then we can actually have a philosophical conversation about the differences of, you know, why we believe what we believe and how we're going to get to where we want to get to. But it gets rid of that feeling that the person I'm talking to is my enemy and I had to destroy them. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm sincerely hoping and praying, honestly, that my show and others like it are kind of setting a tone to where people want to get to. I mean, that's Honestly, why the the guy who was the the host of Fear Factor is now one of the most trusted people in in politics being Joe Rogan. People listen to his show all the time because you know, they know his bias. He's he, he admits he's a leftist, but he tries to have people on his show and give them a fair shot to explain why they what they believe. And people love that. People People are, are craving that because it's so absent in the other forms of media that that are out there. So you know, I'm hoping we're making a difference. I'm I'm and I'm positive that we we are doing something in in that regards. I just I'm I'm hoping we see it actually carry forward and start to you know rewind a little bit of this division that has just been seeping more and more into our culture as you know we've gone forward, especially with the uh, the culmination here of Donald Trump being elected president and now this whole impeachment fiasco.
1: Yeah, and I do want to touch on the impeachment bit next, but I do want to echo what you're saying because I I think that we're in a very dire point where it's either going to swing back the way that we want it to or it's going to landslide in the opposite direction, and it's going to be really hard Mm -hmm. to recover if that landslide goes. Just to echo your point, could Trump and Pelosi be out at dinner somewhere? No, because both sides would disown them. I mean, you're talking – people were on Twitter. Did you see see, uh, a couple of days ago – They had a clip of Vince Vaughn talking with uh, Donald Trump.
0: Yeah. God bless me. Like Vince Vaughn, the, the self-avowed libertarian who vouched for Ron Paul and endorsed him in 2012. Like the fact that there were so many people out there who were like, Vince Vaughn isn't a liberal. And I'm like, Vince, Vince Vaughn, he was on Tom Woods last year. Like you think that Vince Vaughn is a liberal and and just to see people who, who their brains exploded. And now they're like, I'm going to burn my copy of wedding crashes. I'm like, just shut up. Like, if you're going to burn a movie that you used to enjoy because you found out the person oh that plays God, the character yes. isn't your political beliefs, like, there's no hope for you, my man. Like, just, just,
1: just stop. Number one, he's already got your money. <laughs> he already got your money. <laughs> so. Exactly. But. That's that's the point I'm making. Like, oh, Vince Vaughn talked to Donald Trump. Oh, how dare he? How dare he talk to that man?
0: How dare he talk to somebody who disagrees with him on maybe, what, like half the stuff? And how dare he give him the time of day? He's supposed to pretend that he doesn't even exist.
1: Precisely. I, it's like I don't get – have you seen these clips of Tom Steyer trying to become friends with Bernie Sanders? <laughs> and Bernie he desperately, just slaps him. <laughs> desperately wants – Bernie Sen- Bernie Sanders' love and affection, and Bernie just will not give it to him.
0: And you know what? Like, I'm going to be real. I I, I probably am, am a little jaded because I've just seen Tom Steyer on TV so much because he's bought, like, a $14 billion worth of ads. But, like, of all the candidates running, at least Tom Steyer comes across as a likable person, which, I mean, that sounds very, I, I guess, like, cliche to say, like, oh, you just – you like the person because they seem likable. But, like, out of all the candidates that are running on the left, like, what, Tulsi, Andrew Yang, and – Steyer, I would say, seem like they could be people I just want want to have a conversation with. But like, yeah. I mean, Elizabeth Warren, no, like she she comes across as a scolding grandma. Amy Klobuchar, no, absolutely not. Again, scolding grandma. Bernie Sanders, just crazy old grandpa. Uh, Joe Biden, I'm pretty sure he lost it like four years ago. So I, like there's nobody on the, the Democratic stage who I feel, you know, really besides those three – being Yang uh, Harris, no, Yang Gabbard and uh, and Steyer, (laughs) that I would genuinely feel like I would be not okay with them being president, but like I – don't believe that they have like a vindictive malicious intent behind the scenes i just think that they're misguided um whereas like elizabeth warren she has shown 1000% that she is a vindictive manipulative liar who will do and say anything very machiavellian to get to her her role in life that she sees as her end game that is being president of the united states she stabbed bernie in the back she pretended to be a, a native american in order to not only you, know, you know, be the the token at you will, if you will in harvard but to like act Actually, use that to, to benefit her. Um, she sent her kids to, to private schools, despite you know being anti-private schools, anti-charter schools. She she is the definition of a crony lying politician. She is she is Hillary Clinton 2.0, and that's what people hate, which is why I pray that she's the nominee because she will get absolutely destroyed. Because when it comes to a face-to-face versus Donald Trump, Trump will say the things on the debate stage that Bernie doesn't have the balls to say. Bernie won't say, you know, Elizabeth, you're a Native American. No, you said you were though, but you're not. Trump will be like, yeah, you you said you were Pocahontas. You 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 lied, and like you just say it on stage, and he would not give a shit because it's the truth, and and that's the thing that you know Bernie is missing entirely, which I actually I'm going to be discussing with Keith when he's on the show, is that Bernie just doesn't – I don't think he wants to be president. I, I think Bernie is just doing another fundraising campaign. He's raising a boatload of money. He's going to sell another book, buy another house, and he's going to call it day. I mean the dude's like, what, 80s some years old, and he had a heart attack like a year ago. It Not even a year ago, like a couple months ago, and he's still yeah, trying to run for months. president. Yeah. yeah, so like I mean I, she is – I pray that the nominee, just so we can once and for all, <laughs> once and for all, fingers crossed, once and for all, like just stop with these just stereotypical, gross politicians who are—they're only in it for themselves. They're not in it to to help people. They're in it to to increase their own clout, to to fundraise, make money, and then you know live fat and sassy to to finish off their years you know on the 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 fortune they've made by making people believe that they are actually going to be, you know, a politician that's going to better their their, you know, their voters lives.
1: Fi- I'm going to make a final point on this democrat thing and then we're going to move along, but um do do you have Hulu?
0: I do. Yes, and are are you getting ready to talk about Hillary and her new TV show?
1: No. No. God no. You oh! not talking about no there will be no mention of hillary clinton or, or maybe about the tulsi crap but but we're not going to talk about that crap no um okay i actually just watched before uh before we sat down uh i guess the new york times has a show that they have and it was their editorial board interviewing uh, the can the democratic candidates and coming up with who they were going to endorse and uh very interestingly uh the, as they're talking about it, they, they they go candidate by candidate. They interview these guys one at a time um, over the course of like two weeks or whatever. And then their editorial board sits down after they do these interviews and they kind of analyze it and they pick who they want to – who they want to endorse. And it's, not surprisingly to me, but they were shocked that uh, they found they really didn't like any of the candidates. <laughs> like they even <laughs> talk about this. The editorial board of The New York Times is sitting there like – none of these guys really have what we want. So like this year for the first time ever, they endorsed two candidates. They didn't endorse one. They they picked two and they picked Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. And I'm like, are you serious? Like that's who you picked out of all of that. And they even, mm-hmm. they even admitted, they're like when Joe Biden came in and talked to them, they were like, well, he was the most down to earth. Like he's the guy that we should just do because he's the safe bet. But they threw that out, and they are like, we like Elizabeth Warren for these three or four key points, and we like Amy Klobuchar for these three or four points. So if we could just meld them into one candidate, that would be awesome. So not even them could like come up with a decision of, of who they want to pick as the candidate, which I, I just found a little yep. bit funny.
0: Well, you know what? And that's why Hillary Clinton has been just, just – she, she she is – she just doesn't want to go away, dude. Like she, she doesn't want to leave because she knows – that she could ride in on a white horse. You know, we get you know what, a couple months away from the election, and none of the candidates are really you know stepping it up. They're, none of the candidates are really going to be the the option. She could be the 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 saving grace that will swoop in and and you know be the the candidate who will quote unquote beat Trump again. And and that's why this whole Hulu show is coming out. That's why she's been sticking around and doing these these media appearances because she wants to stand. On- the radar and she wants to meet people and remember that she's still around and she could still jump in. And honestly, that's why people like Bloomberg are running, right? Because the candidates right now suck for the most part. I mean I would I'd say of all the candidates running, I'd only be not, not comfortable, but I would at least not feel as gross with with a gabbard or or a um or a Yang. And I just don't see that happening. And I think we're gonna get the inevitable you know either Sanders, Warren, or, or Biden and you know we're going to get more of the same, more of the status quo, and the voters are going to reject that. And we're going to get you know another four years of Trump.
1: Yeah, I, I can I can honestly see that. Now, speaking of four or more years of Trump, uh, we we are currently underway with uh, impeachment trial in the Senate, which is uh, evoking a lot of people's emotions, uh, both sides of the aisle, I think, and even independently. Uh, I talked with Todd Agopian about this. I don't know if you've seen it amongst libertarians. I see like there's there's this like divided approach of what's going on right now in the Senate. What are your thoughts?
0: Um I, I've actually been torn on this because i I always like to approach these kinds of situations with the the belief that there are people out there who are smarter than me on on what's happening because they're seeing more behind the scenes stuff. And there are people that I trust on both sides of this issue. Who are are both very fervent in their beliefs. and and that being two guys who've been on my show, I've had co- Congressman Amash, who has been one of the leading voices in terms of supporting impeachment and was actually the first at the time sitting Republican to say, maybe we should look at this impeachment thing a little bit more seriously. And then you know obviously led to his inevitable change to independent. But then the flip side, I had uh, Congressman Thomas Massey on my show, who is a, a you know definitely a friend of liberty and you know easily one of the more libertarian uh, congressmen in in the House. And he literally said on my show that what we're seeing is a deep state coup. And I've been torn. I, I've honestly been torn because these two gentlemen who I, I greatly respect have such different perspectives on the issue. And I would assume that they have the, the same information available to them. So for me personally, I think I'm coming more and more towards the the conclusion that this just seems icky. There's something that – isn't making sense in terms of them going after Trump as hard as as they have been. And I'm more inclined to believe that it has been this this hatred, absolute disdain for Trump since day one that the left has shown that leads me to believe that this is more focused on just getting him out of office than it is about him actually committing impeachable offenses. Now – is that to say that the Ukrainian phone call was, by Trump's own words, a perfect phone call? Absolutely not. It was shady. It was underhanded. But there was nothing directly that I saw in that call that that said, you know, this is corruption. This is him asking a foreign government to hurt a political opponent because – it wasn't for the 2020 election. It was looking at the 2016 election, and it was looking at the the relationship from the former vice president who just happens to be running for office, and his son being appointed to uh, an oil board in Ukraine with no experience, making m- a millions of dollars a year. That's where the the it seems that this all kind of started. But I don't see anything that's saying that Trump was asking Ukraine to go after a political opponent. It wasn't him trying to leverage. Um, you know, aid to, to hurt a political opponent. It was more of leveraging aid as the, the United States has done literally for almost every country that we've ever interacted with in order to get something done in in uh, the way they want it done. And I don't think it's fair. And I say fair very loosely, but I don't think it's fair to go after Trump for something that every president pretty much since the this, you know, dawn of the American dream has done the exact same thing. And I'm looking at what Obama did and what Bush has done you know with with the unconstitutional wars and the droning of, of you know kids and i think we're going after a phone call and not we we didn't go after this and that's why i'm like this this doesn't smell right there's something about this that just doesn't feel genuine it doesn't feel like this is really what they're upset about they just hate him and he is a constant reminder that Hillary lost that we weren't able, and I say we as the Democrats in this case, that, that we weren't able to, you know, just say he was a slime ball, sleaze ball all the way to the White House and how terrible he was, and that people still voted for him. And I think, you know, it's funny. We're we're seeing almost a complete flip in terms of how the Republicans looked at the election in 2016 to how Dem- they're looking at it in 2020, and vice versa, how the Democrats approached the election in 2016 to how they are approaching it in 2020, where you had Trump who basically was implying he wouldn't accept the election results in 2016. And now you have the Democrats saying they're not going to really accept the election results in 2020, both for this idea of corruption. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny to see how it's flipped like that, but it's not surprising. And I think what we're going to find is that this is, is kind of, this is the beginning of the end for the, the two traditional parties. Cause a lot of Americans are just growing tired of it. They're looking for alternative voices and that's why, you know, I think the Libertarian Party has such a great chance right now to to reach a lot of new people. I mean, 2016, we were literally the only real alternative to which was a, a, a shit sandwich and a, a shittier sandwich. And yet we still, you know, weren't able to to get people to stick with the party after they voted for our candidates. I think what we need is a, a candidate who's going to run for office as a Libertarian and truly teach people like Ron Paul did – what it means to embrace the the ideas and concepts of liberty, and to show how important it is that not only we enact this these ideas into our own personal lives, but that we start to reel you know reel back the infrastructure that's been put in place, the the, the federal bureaucracies that have in, in, infringed upon all of our freedoms and our and our ability to to live our lives the way we see fit. I think we need a candidate like that. I'm hoping that the Libertarian Party doesn't drop the ball here and elect someone who's just going to be the king of all libertarians because that doesn't do anything for us that, that that just says okay great we have a candidate who's a pure libertarian now what uh, well they're pure they're the best candidate we have in terms of principles and it's like well that's great but you need somebody who's gonna be able to show people that these principles are great and thus far you know there, there were some candidates i've had in my show some candidates who are coming on my show that i'm looking forward to, to talk to but nobody's really jumped in, into my you know into the forefront and say like this is the person This is the candidate the LP needs to have. I'm hoping that somebody, you know, takes that stand and and they they prove me wrong and actually, you know, do reach out to more people and bring people into the movement. Not going to hold my breath, but we'll see.
1: That's, that's, that was actually going to be the next thing that I was going to ask you because for me, at least anyway, so far, watching the the libertarian uh, presidential race uh, unfold has kind of been underwhelming to me. Uh, It's kind of been underwhelming to me since, uh, since the twenty sixteen election and 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 our party growth and and how we're going about business right now. Um, one of the things that you that you mentioned with the impeachment thing, i'm I'm kind of split on it myself. I'm more in the line that this is a legitimate impeachment, and you know, it's a legitimate concern that we're that we're going over, but we're it's almost like we're in too deep. like we, we've let it go on for so long. and you know you can't like take you can't take pot shots here and there and go well this is bad but even though our guy did this and that was bad it was our guy we're cool with it it's, it's a lot of divisive like team politics and i, I believe just as you're saying i i believe that more people want a third voice a fourth voice we definitely want more than just what we've gone by traditionally and I'm uh, just like you. I'm waiting to see who actually rises up out of the ashes before we get to ashes. Really, you know, that'd be nice. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's a
0: reason I ran. uh, The reason I I joined the Libertarian Party back in July is because I I felt compelled to stop being someone sitting on the sidelines, you know, tossing stones and actually get involved to, to bring people into the movement and make the Libertarian Party the way that I, I hope and, and pray that we can get it to. And you know, that's why if people are interested in joining the Libertarian Party, hint hint wink wink lp.org forward slash Brian Nichols show, you can go ahead and sign up too. Um, but you know, definitely we need more people in the movement and in the party who are willing to to you know pull up their boots, roll up their sleeves, and get to work. And that requires us to get off the internet, stop in our Facebook groups complaining about everything. And actually start to make some substantive changes in our own personal lives, but in our own communities too. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Jason Stapleton over on Wealth Power and Influence because he, his show has taken a dramatic turn from being a libertarian-ish podcast to a show about how you better yourself, how you better your 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 company, your family, financial success, uh, all that kind of fun stuff that it seems libertarians have kind of forgotten about because we get so stuck talking about, you know, how terrible Trump is or how terrible Nancy Pelosi is or how terrible the government is. Like, yeah, we know they they all suck. Let's focus on what we can control. And what we can control are the things that, you know, are in our own personal lives. That means your wealth, your ability to, you know, to to move up, you know, professionally in, in your, your careers, and to impact your local communities, I mean, go. You would be surprised how much more—and I say you, not you. Your your audience, maybe, uh, but your audience is pretty smart. But people would be surprised in general of how much more impact their vote for like school board does than the vote for president. Like you are literally just wasting your time. I'm going to vote for president. If you were in any state other than like what the other four swing swing states that are out there, um. But if you were to vote for school board, I mean, you're you're impacting quite literally. Everything that's happening in your community, you're impacting what curriculums taught in your schools. You're impacting your sales te- or your uh, your property taxes. Um, you're impacting you know what's the policy and procedures for teachers teaching your kids. And I think people need to stop getting so enamored with you know, the sexiness of these these you know every four or two year elections that take place on a national stage, and start to focus more on what matters, and that is what's happening close to home. So I'm hoping people will will stop being so you know quick to to say well you know trump's the the next hitler and and you know alexandria ocasio-cortez she's the next stalin and it's like stop just like focus on the home like focus on what matters and and stop stop feeding into this this beast this monster that we've created and and actually start to make some real changes that are going to impact your community and then show what it means to be a libertarian and how it positively impacts your community
1: so brian uh very good points that you made there for uh, for our divisiveness and and kind of just ending that, especially paying attention to our local elections. Like people kind of just write that stuff off now anymore. It's all about federal power, federal uh, outreach, you know, federal programs. instead of really, you know, uh, I think America has kind of lost that sense of community of of what's what's right outside your door, who's your neighbor? And what is your local government and local school boards, you know, wh- what is the local government doing for you? What's the local community level doing for you? So I, I want to echo those points especially. I think that's very important. I think that's where the direction needs to be focused. However, some of the fighting that you talked about, do you think libertarians need to stop fighting each other? <laughs>
0: That that might be the easiest question I've ever been asked on any <laughs> podcast ever. Without right? a doubt, libertarians need to stop fighting because it just makes us look so ridiculous to people outside of our movement. First and foremost, we have to remember that we are like what? a percent of a percent of americans like in terms of like actually self-identifying as libertarians so number one we are in no position to to say i'm more libertarian and therefore you're not the real libertarian we are not in any position to do that we should be welcoming people with open arms understanding first and foremost that they are not real libertarians because they weren't libertarians like five seconds ago so give them a chance to, to learn give them a chance to to grow and help teach them don't don't come you know go to a Facebook group and see somebody ask you know a question about well okay but what would we do with the roads like how would we pay for the roads instead of saying you stupid status just be like oh well here's how it would work and then explain it to them like that is what you need to do
1: no roads dead we might we need to kill all the roads impeach them tear them apart roads are bad Brian
0: I mean that's what it seems like a that's a, that's a lot of people want to do. like because it <laughs> When people are trying to join the movement and the libertarians, and I'll speak to you right now about you know Kimberly Ross when she was looking to run for office or I'm sorry to join the Libertarian Party because she was politically homeless. And she took like two two looks around and was like, What is happening? Like I have been told I'm not a real libertarian, like 14 times in the past like five minutes, but I'm just trying to learn. And she's like, peace, I'm I'm out. And I can't blame her. Like, thank goodness I had I have thick enough skin. I was like, okay. I'm asking questions. I probably know are silly questions, but and I know I'm gonna get a silly answer. But like, I need to know the answer because I didn't know. And I I think we had to stop this this idea. And I don't want to say purity test, but just the belief that everybody is gonna be on our level on day one as they step into this you know world. It's that it, it is quite literally a completely different world because. When you become a libertarian, it's a complete mind shift. You are no longer looking at things from the left and the right. You're looking at things more of you know liberty versus statism. And then you start to realize that wow, both both parties kind of embrace this idea of statism in one way, shape, or form. And and instead of of you know yelling at people and making them feel stupid because they didn't get to that conclusion as fast as you did, encourage them as you see that they're starting to figure things out. I mean, one of my good buddies, he he, you know, was more on the left. And as I talk to him more and more and I, I haven't been pushing him, I just, I ask him questions and I make him think himself, like why, again, why he believes what he believes. And I've heard him more and more start to say, well, I think I'm kind of like a, like a more Democrat leaning towards like a libertarian, which I'm like, that's weird, but all right. Like, Hey, baby steps. <laughs> and to see that that's actually helping somebody like makes a substantive, like philosophical life decision to change how they believe and, and actually start to look at the world a little differently that's a win. Like, I'll take that. But again, do libertarians need to stop fighting without a doubt? Like, stop yelling at each other. Stop fighting on Facebook. Get into the real world and like put that energy and that emotion into like good, like actually making a change. I mean, Michael Heiss is up here. I'm in Philadelphia. You're just down the road from me to 95. And he's up here in Norristown. And, you know, he was able to like change the um I think it was the the drug laws for his home community in terms of like i think it's like the felonies like he it wasn't a felony anymore it was like a misdemeanor it was something along those lines i'm probably butchering the story but he took his passion about a particular you know topic and was able to talk to people in his community and made a real change that now impacts real people in his community that's what we all need to do get off of the internet go into your community talk to people encourage people teach people help them along the way and stop saying you're the real real libertarian
1: I can't echo that enough. I can't praise you enough for that because speaking as somebody who back in 2012 started diving into libertarianism and all that, uh, I came to a point where like, I was scared to death to tell people what I did for a living because it was working for the government. I was like, these guys are going to disown <laughs> me. They're yep. going to gonna put a bag over my head. They're going to beat me up with a baseball bat, and they're going to chuck me off you know, a bridge somewhere because I'm not a real libertarian.
0: Yep. yep, yep. It, and I, I was, I was kind of getting the same thing when I came into the party as, you know, a, a former, you know, Republican, I was Republican college, uh, college Republicans president for two years in a row. Like I worked on dozens of Republican campaigns and like, I'm, I'm taking a step and saying, I'm not a part of that world anymore. I'm looking at this world differently. Stop saying that because I came from this perspective that I'm not a real libertarian. Like, nobody's a real libertarian the only real libertarian is the one person who thinks they're a real libertarian and that's everybody and it means nothing like if you think you're the real libertarian i can guarantee you're not and and that's something that i think the libertarian party needs to stop doing is thinking how great they are um and like actually try to reach new people so we can actually have success in our elections not not just elections but like actually changing people's minds because thus far we've done a terrible job at it i mean I don't mean to get, like, LP politics, but, like, that's why I was so supportive of Todd Huggopian when he was running for LP chair because, I mean, right now we have a chairman who uses the LP national Twitter handle to go after particular candidates who maybe left the Libertarian Party and ran as Republicans and when they lost say, see, this is what happens when Libertarians leave. They they join the Republican Party and they get disowned there, and it's like, okay, great. So instead of trying to encourage the people who voted for him and I'm speaking, obviously, of Austin Peterson in Missouri. Um, you know, instead of encouraging his voters to say, "Listen, here's what happened," and you know, we it sucks. Austin was the best liberty candidate that was there. What we're going to do is we're going to say, "Listen, if you want to, you know, continue to support the ideas that he was presenting in terms of you know pro pro liberty, then then take a step and look at the libertarian candidate." And they didn't. They they went after Austin personally. And I was like, that's that's the opposite of what we need to do. So I'm hoping that, you know, come twenty uh, the, the 2020 convention here in, in, I think, May, I think for the Libertarian uh, convention in Austin. Yeah, I think May um, is right, I'm yeah. hoping, yeah, I'm hoping that we get someone, anyone, who is going to stop with just the petty BS, stop with the infighting, stop, you know, out-libertarian each other, and just try to actually grow the party, have a substantial, like a substantive idea of how we're going to do that. And like, just take like anybody, anybody who's running for off uh, the LP chair. Take Todd's entire platform, and and just make that your own, and I, you will have my support. Like that's what you need to do. Professionalize the damn party. Get branding and marketing all under under um your know, one banner, and like just stop the infighting. That that's what we need to do. And and focus on local elections. And thus far, I haven't really seen anybody, you know, take a stand and say, okay, that's what we're gonna do. So I'm hoping that that person will, you know, rise to the top, and and hopefully, you know, they they will have a chance against the uh, the existing chairman.
1: I'm I'm right there with you, and I hope to be talking to some of these LNC chair candidates uh, in the coming months before that to see if somebody can really rise to the occasion for that. But, uh, Brian, we've been at it for almost an hour now. Um, Let's wrap this thing up. Where can people find you on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, all the social medias? Where can they find your show? Where can they get in contact with you?
0: Yeah, yeah. So – um Definitely, if you want to interact with me personally, I recommend going over to Twitter. That's where I have a lot of my my fun political snark and back and forth, and that's where I get to meet great people like uh, you know the gentleman I'm speaking to here, Mr. FritzCast. Uh, but also, uh, oh, and that's at B Nichols Liberty, by the way. But also, you can find me over on Facebook, where I'm doing a lot of fun memes and such. Um, that's at B Nichols Liberty as well. Uh, and then as for the show, um, you can find the show literally anywhere that you find podcasts. So, um, you can go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Home, Google Play, whatever the hell it is. Um, actually, I was just doing. I Caleb Franz, who's a good friend of the show, um, he asked me to uh, to guest host Maliberty for him this past week. And I asked my Google to play my show. I was like, I wonder if it does that. And it did. And I was like, ha ha, that's
1: cool. Yeah, There you go. Um, yeah.
0: Yes. So ask your Google home to, to play the Brian Nickel show. And it will Um, just skip the first like 15 episodes, like get right to the meat and potatoes of like, here we are in 2020 and then work backwards. Um, I give my my audience what I call the five five episode challenge, like listen to the past five episodes, catch up to speed to where we are right now, and then. And you know, then then you can kind of figure out where we are. You can be at the same level as everybody else. Um, especially to people who are more, you know, stepping their foot for the first time into libertarianism or just into you know smaller government. I know I have a lot of uh, audience members who come from the left, so for them it's like literally getting slapped in the face with a completely different world that they didn't know existed or that they were told was you know the the anti Christ world. So just if you're a new listener. Five episodes, that's all it takes. Get comfortable with everything. Um, but yeah, it's it it's a it's a blast to be able to do the show. And it's a blast to be able to interact with great people, you know, such as yourself, Fritz. So thank you so much for for inviting me on. And hopefully I, I leave your audience today as I try to leave my audience every single show feeling educated enlightened and informed, and I definitely appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate um, you know, the opportunity to come to your show, and I'm looking forward to uh, all the interactions we're going to have here going forward in the, in the years to come, especially with you being right down the road here in the uh, in the Northeast.
1: Absolutely, Brian, and I thank you for coming on the show. You're getting an honorary silver medal because Todd go be and beat you to the punch.
0: <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. Todd Todd is uh, definitely the libertarian in chief, so the gold medal deserves where it belongs to, and that is
1: the yeah, man who is the, the, the chief. That's right. Yeah, but, but silver is not bad.
0: <laughs> you know what? I'll take the silver medal. If that, that means let's Tom have the gold. I'll take the silver. No questions asked. All
1: right. One last thing before I uh, cut us out here. Is it John uh, McAfee or McAfee?
0: <laughs> this, this is the pinnacle of, of our, our relationship. Me fixing your mispronunciations. It is John McAfee. It is Amy Klobuchar. It is Pete Buttigieg. I swear
1: to God. No, every no, time... no, it's Pete Booty Judge. Damn it. <laughs> Everybody agrees with me. If Literally, we put it up, if we put it up on a poll right now, everybody's going to vote for Booty Judge.
0: I literally – I was in the grocery store listening to your show, and I forget – I think it was McAfee that you were you're joking <laughs> with me about. And you were like, yeah, John Mc- Mc- McAfee. And then there was a pause. Did I say it right, Brian? And I, I burst out <laughs> laughing. And it's, it's funny. Like I remember I was in the freezer section, and my face was in the freezer looking for frozen strawberries. And I just hear you say – did I say it right Brian and I lost it I was like god damn it he knows what he's doing and I, sometimes I can't tell if it's a bit if you're saying the names wrong on purpose or it's just that you don't you don't know how to say their names so I I appreciate that it's one of my favorite things
1: and no one will ever know. ever
0: John McAfee and Pete Booty Judge and Amy Klobacher or whatever the hell you call her they, they'll never know
1: yep yep Brian Nyquil everybody
0: Brian Michael, that's right. And by the way, just to to make sure everybody's on the same page, um, the five-time Super Bowl champion Dallas Cowboys are infinitely better than the one-time Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. So, just want to make sure we're all on the same page. And the recording right now. Yep,
1: there you go. Ending here right now.
0: Alright, folks, so that was my appearance on, uh, on our good friend Fritz's show, FritzCast. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, please be sure to go ahead and, uh, number one, give uh, Fritz a follow uh, over on, on social media, but also go ahead and make sure you uh, you subscribe to the FritzCast. It's a fantastic show. Um, Hey, folks, if you enjoyed the episode and you enjoyed uh, the content I was promoting, then feel free to go ahead and give me a follow as well. The Brian Nichols Show is everywhere you find all your podcasts, uh, you know, whether it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, wherever it may be. Go ahead, give us a subscribe, and uh, hopefully i I'd become one of your mainstays in your queue every single week i know i love doing what i'm doing and hopefully you guys enjoy what we're uh, we're doing there at the brian nichols show um and if this is past two episodes here where, uh, where i was able to help caleb out um gave you a little bit of sneak peek what to expect well fingers crossed it brings you over and uh hey i'm looking forward to having you there at the brian nichols show uh so guys with that caleb is back next week so be sure to give him all the love and support you guys normally do but with that guys it's brian nichols signing off here for Fritzcast slash maliberty i'll see you over the brian nichols show